0: You may visit our website for more information at sccview.net. Again, that's sccview.net. Thanks again for listening. I hope that you have a wonderful day.
1: Hello, everyone. So glad you guys are here. So you get to see more pictures of our fixer-upper. It's just coming together quite nicely. We are just so happy, and we just know that it's going to be about a week or a week and a half, and we're going to be all the way in. We keep saying that, don't we? But it's, it's coming, it's coming. But you know what, when we first bought this house, a lot of people would have looked at it and said, uh, no, that's going to be too much work, it was, it's not worth restoring. Uh, but you know, Jeff and I went in with hard work and with help from others, you know, it is becoming a great place. And you know, it's just like in relationships, maybe you're going through a marriage situation or a relationship with your parents or your children, and maybe you say, hey, it's just not worth putting the work into it but I want you to know with God all things are possible and that's what this series is all about every relationship is worth the work so I'm going to let Jeff come on out today with our next uh, series our next message in this series which is called Storm Proofing Your Marriage <laughs>
0: Well today we're talking about storm trooping your relationships. So I'm ready to go.
1: Oh I messed that up too, didn't I? No, 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 no. We both are wrong, Jeff. I think you got the wrong you got the wrong props. Hold on just a second. No.
0: Okay. I am ready. Don, you bring this? Uh I
1: think this is mashing
0: my nose, by the way.
1: This, I don't know if you can see this, but this was the, the, the props you were supposed to get. An anchor. This anchor. Feel
0: how heavy that is. Gosh. And this, this You're a strong woman. Sticker, you were supposed to bring this umbrella out because
1: the title is "Stormproofing Your Relationships."
0: Storm-proofing. Oh, 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 oh.
1: See, so we got the wrong. Not stormproofing.
0: I hope somebody else has got another outline. <laughs>
1: So go ahead,
0: and hand me the helmet, and good luck. Wow, okay, well, whatever. We're going to give it a shot anyways, right? I prepared all week for stormtroopers, and now, okay, here we go. Yeah, that's right. Well, man, my nose is flat. That thing's like, you know, I got a little head, and that thing was made for a big-headed person. Uh, anyway, hey, it's good to see everybody. We're glad that you're here today. It's awesome that you're here. I am really excited today because we are talking about storm proofing your relationships. And if you don't mind, I'd like to just go ahead and dive right into uh, the scripture today. And I'm going to share with you uh, something that happened in the Bible. And through this example, what happened in the Bible, we're going to learn today is actually how to storm proof our relationships. So let me get started with you. I'll give you a little background. In Acts chapter 27 in the Bible, there's a guy by the name of Paul, and Paul was a guy who was actually, uh, before he was against the Christians, and he was trying to persecute them. Well, he had an encounter with Jesus, like many of us did, had an encounter with Jesus, and he saw the light, and then all of a sudden he began to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, so much so that, it, that uh, in the Middle Eastern culture, just like today, that people were anti-Jesus, you know, so so anyways, they began to try to uh, persecute him, try to, to have him in prison, and, and they, actually a riot broke out. And so the, when the riot broke out, the Romans who were in charge at that time come in and they rescued Paul and they took him and Paul took him into their court system. And they said, oh, you know, people brought all kinds of accusations against him. And Paul, instead of, instead of staying there, he said, I want to make my appeal to a higher court, which would be the court of Caesar, which in the Roman government so he said I want to go there and so they they actually agreed to send him there and this is the way that they would ship prisoners at that time is that they would put them on a cargo ship and underneath the cargo ship there would be places where prisoners would actually stay as they would you know uh, so they would be transported to where they need to go and so here's here's the account Paul is a prisoner now he's on a cargo ship and, uh, and right before they get ready to go, you know, Paul begins to pray and says, Listen, I don't think we should go because, uh, you know, the Lord has told me that something bad is going to happen. And they ignored that. And so he, they went out into the ship and a bad storm broke out. And this storm lasted for days. And so we're going to see through this process of what happened, how that God rescued them and how God can rescue us. So let's, let's look on your outline. So the first thing I want to say, there's three benefits of storms, the three benefits of storms in your relationship. So here's three benefits of having storms. I'm going to give you three of those first, and then at the end, I'm going to give you three anchors to hold on to. So let's talk about the benefits of a storm first. So the first thing we see, number one, is this. The first benefit of a storm is the storm can grow my character. Would you write that down? The storm can grow my character. I want to tell you before I go any further that God is more interested in your character than he is your comfort. Did you hear that? In other words, God wants you to grow in your character more than he wants you to have an easy life. He wants you to grow in your character. So look at what happened here. So we're in the, Remember, they're on the ship, they're in the middle of the storm, and all of a sudden we see what happens. So look what it says. Acts 27 and 20 says, We neither saw we neither we neither were neither sun nor star appeared for many days and the storms continued raging would you circle those three words storms continued raging we finally gave up all what all what all hope right all hope of being saved now let me just say right there there's a lesson right there in relationships number 1 is that Is that when the storm keeps going on, right? It's one thing to be upset with a person just for a day and get over it, but it's those that just keep going on and on and on that it's real easy to lose hope in your relationships. You agree with that? And so that is the place where they are. They're about to lose hope because this storm just keeps on going. You know, day and night, day and night, it just keeps going. And so the first thing I want to tell you again. Is that when you're in a storm that continues to rage? Is that first of all, is that we begin to lose the vision. We begin, to, we, begin, we begin to quit seeing the hope. And so, one of the things that God uses a storm to do is God uses a storm to knock the pride right out of us. You know what pride is? Pride is, I got this, I can handle this, you know, I, can, I got it, I'm good. That's what pride is. Many times there's been relational issues with not, not just husband and wife, but you know, with parent-child, child-parent, uh, friends, co-workers, or whatever, that I've had an experience of talking with people with, and I said, listen, you know what, the best thing I can do is, is advise you to go talk to a good Christian counselor, because this is going to take more than just one time of, of meeting together. And you know what? Some of it's amazing, especially if they were like a parent-child relationship. They would say, one of them would say, "I don't need that." They need to go, not me. And I want to tell you something. That is pride. You know, when pride is in full blown, this is what pride says: "I don't need you." There's so many people today. Listen, there's so many families today that are all split up because somebody decided, "I'm not talking to them again. I don't need them." And, and, and listen, we've even experienced this in our family, Rhonda and I, you know, we've experienced this with, with people in our family that they get mad at their parents and they're like, they won't talk to them for five or six years. I mean, that's crazy. And that's the height of all pride This says, I don't need you. Look what the Bible says about pride. In Proverbs 16 and 18, look what it says. Let's just read this together. It's a pretty short passage. Let's read it. You ready? Pride leads to destruction and arrogance to... A downfall. The Bible says pride comes before fall. So today I want to tell you that we want to, we want to make sure that, that pride is not within our hearts. So pride is saying, you know what, I know exactly what needs to happen, and you're wrong, and I'm right. Pride, is blaming, it. pride, pride is, is blaming everybody else for your problems. You know, everybody else has got it wrong, not me, everybody else. And that is the height of pride, and storm has a way of knocking that right out of you. Now, on the screen, I have a solution for pride. I think the Lord has given me this statement to share with you today. And look what it says. You ready? Let's just read this together. It's a little lengthy, but let's read it together. You ready? For my relationships to grow, I have to ask God to help me stop fixing the blame and start fixing the problem. Well, we could just read that and go home, couldn't we? That's it. I mean, Seriously. Because how many times in our relationships where it's your fault? If you hadn't done this, you do this, you do that, and we just blame everybody else. We're very quick to fix the blame and very. We don't have to spend a lot of time trying to fix the problem. Say, okay, what's the problem? What happened? What went wrong? Instead of what you did, what went wrong? What went wrong? What happened? You know, what can we do to change this? How can we make it better? Those are questions you ask. Okay, number two, you ready? So the second benefit of a storm is this. Number two, the storm can clarify my priorities. Would you write that down? Clarify my priorities. Storms really help us get our priorities in order. So again, we're going back into this story. Remember, they're on this ship and the storm is raging. And so now look what it says in verse 18 it says we took such a violent battering from the storm that the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard now again remember this just a few days ago before they were loading up i'm sure the captain of the ship was saying hey boys hey 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 take care of that cargo right there don't you see that word it says fragile handle with care because listen fellas if we don't get this over there safely, if it's all broken when we get it there, we don't get paid. If I don't get paid, you don't get paid. So, boys, you better handle that with care. But now they're in the middle of a storm. And the only way that they're going to survive is they got to get their priorities straight. Okay, is it the cargo or is it our life? And so having put that perspective in there into play, all of a sudden, guess what? They say, let's get rid of the cargo because the ship is so heavy, the, sail, the, we, the, the waves are hitting that ship. If it's too top-heavy, it's going to go over. So they begin to get rid of that valuable cargo, what was so valuable and so important days before. Now it doesn't matter at all. And so when we begin to get in a the storm, they help us prioritize what's going on in our lives. Now here's what I want to ask you. The question that I have for you today is what is in your life, what's in your relationship that you need to throw overboard, that your relationship can grow, that your relationship can be saved? What is it? Is it a hobby? Is it, what is it, is it, is it somebody else that's interfering with that relationship? What is it in your life that, you know, if you tell the truth right now, what is it that, that w- was so important, that It seems so important, but, but you've got to say, hey, is this more important than my relationship? And listen, if somebody keeps complaining about that in your life, that this is a problem, then you really need to take a look at this and see what it is and get rid of it. Throw it overboard. Throw it overboard. Okay, that takes us to number three. The third benefit of a storm is this. The storm can strengthen my commitments. Would you write that down? The storm can strengthen my commitments. So we see in the storm. They're in this storm. It's been day and night. It hasn't hasn't let up. Now they've, they've started throwing the cargo over to just try to survive. I mean, that means they're desperate. And then now the third thing is their commitments. Look what it says in verse 31 and 32. It says, Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldier, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be what? Okay, would you take your pen and would you circle those words? Stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Would you circle that? Now let's look at what happened next. You ready? So the soldiers, why don't you read what's underlined with me. You ready? Come on. Cut the ropes that held the lifeboats. They cut the ropes that held the lifeboats and let it fall away. Now the foundation of any relationship is commitment. If you don't have commitment, friend, you cannot have a relationship. You don't trust people who are not committed. And this is what is so key for you to, you and I to understand is this, is that in life, you're going to have storms. Storms are going to come. you're going to have issues in your relationship. But listen, storms come and go, but commitment stays. Did you hear that? Storms come and go, but commitment stays. And in this particular story here, they had to make a decision because the the angel had said to them, Paul, listen, if everybody stays with the ship, then they'll be saved. But there was people that was about to try to get in the lifeboats and try to leave. And he said, listen, if those people get in those lifeboats, they're going to drown. They're going to die. So, they made a a decision that they were going to have to stay with the ship. So, they cut the ropes and let the lifeboats go. You see, they had to be committed that they were going to stay. Now, here's what I want to ask you something. Are you committed you're going to stay? Are you committed that you're going to stay? You see, what happens in many relationships is is when we start relationships, it doesn't matter who it with, who it is with, when they ask for commitment, when the commitment begins to grow, if you have already planned your out, you can never ever experience the full value of that relationship. You know, there's many people that come to me at times, you know, and, and, and they'll talk with me and, and say, you know what, well, we just want to live together before we get married, so we can sort of see if this is going to work out. You know, the Bible is against that. You know why? Because you can never, ever know the value. You can never, ever know the full value of your relationship until you're fully committed. And so people are, listen, it's like going out and test driving a car, and you've got a V8, and all of a sudden you go for a drive, and only four cylinders work. You know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, well, this is a muscle car. Oh, great. I can't wait to get in. You get in and only four cylinders work, and you're like, man, this is like a Nissan Versa. That's what I had for a long time. It was like, oh, forget getting out of anybody's way. You know what I'm saying? That's what I had. It was like, oh, Jesus. I had a moving beer can to what I had. <laughs> what I had. All those cans that people turned in, I had them. I drove them. Drove it. Can you imagine going to test drive on a muscle car? This is a muscle's car, you know. In, in about a year, Rhonda and I are going to buy a new truck and we're already talking about that F-150, you know. we're already, I mean, she's looking at a GMC now. She's like, in about a year when our eye wheel is over, we're going to get one of them and we want one with some muscle. We're tired of these little, we want some muscle. We want comfort. And if we go test drive that baby and we hit the accelerator and it goes, boom. Many people who are, Living together before they make the commitment are feeling the boo. Because, see, you can never ever have full love until you're fully committed. You agree with that? And so that's why the Bible says that. Listen, don't, don't test drive the relationship with the, with the opposite sex. Is that you got to be committed first. And when you get full commitment, then you'll know full up. And the problem is this, is that people test drive for about five or six years, and they say, well, this just ain't right. Well, let me tell you something. It will never, ever be right until you, full, you go full in. I know you're looking at me like, you know what, okay, man, our culture today says it's okay. Well, I'm just telling you, culture's wrong. And I just, I love you too much. I want you to know, listen, look at me, look at me. Rhonda and I had all, we've had all kind of issues in our relationship. I've been very honest with you about that. We'll be married 30 years come July. And I want to tell you, there's been times in that, the storms have come, and we looked at each other, you know what, and we're like, we didn't even like each other. I mean, you could drive a semi sometimes through our bed and never hit either one of us. You know, we're hugging the edges. Don't touch me. I don't want you touching me either, you nasty. Get away from me. You could do that. But what I'm telling you is that through our relationship, there's been times where we didn't like each other. And there'd be times where if you ask us, do we feel like we're in love, we'd say no. There's been all those times in our relationship, but I'm going to tell you something. One thing that we had is we had a commitment. We made a commitment that, listen, for better and for worse, for richer and for poor, in sickness and health, we're going to stick it together. We are together no matter what comes our way. We're not leaving each other. We're going to stay hanging out. So we just better get better because we're going to stay together. And it was that commitment that held us together. I'm telling you, it's commitment that holds you together. And I want to tell you, if you enter into a relationship and you say, well, well, I got this out and I got this out, so if things get bad, I'm going to go here. You will never, ever know what love is, and you will never know a relationship this strong. You know, too many parents today are saying, well, my kids, you know, they're 20 years old, they're 30 years old, and they're acting up, so I'm not going to have anything to do with them until they straighten out. Let me tell you something. No, you have a relationship that says, I love you, I don't approve of what you're doing, but I want you to know I love you, and listen, our relationship is strong. I'm committed. And Too many children today are looking at their parents and say, you know what, they're too nosy, they're too bossy, so I'm going to cut them off. And so I'm going to go do my own thing. I'm not going to speak to them again. And you see, you give yourself that out. And I want to tell you something you will never, ever know until you say, We're committed. Man, we're in this thing together. Am I just preaching to myself today? No. Amen, right? Okay, I know I need to move on. So here's what I have for you. You ready for this one? Because here, here's what I, man, this is in my guts. You ever heard a pastor say it's in his guts? That's graphic, isn't it? That means it's way down here somewhere. Look at this statement. Let's read it out loud. You ready? Come on. Out loud. Here we go. You ready? I must commit to sticking it out before we can. Gee, Louise. Did you hear that? I must commit to sticking it out before we can work it out. If you're always threatening to leave, you're always saying, I'm out of here. You will never, ever, ever work it out. Listen, if you're, if you're telling your spouse, you're telling your kids, kids, I'm going to check out of here. I'm checking out of here. I don't have to put up with this. I don't have to live with this. If you say that all the time, you will never, ever work things out. But when you commit, I am sticking this thing out. I am sticking. I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to be right here. We're in this thing together. Then you can work it out. You can work it out. Too many people today don't want to stick it out, but you got to stick it out to work it out. She Louise. Okay, look at the next verse. Acts 27 and 29, look, it says, fearing, what would, fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped anchors from the stern and prayed for daylights. I want to give you in the next few moments, I want to give you three anchors. I have an anchor right here. Let me tell you something. This anchor right here is hefty too. Rhonda made it feel like nothing. I guess she's been working too much. Dang! I'm like, wow. This anchor is designed that when you're in a boat, that you throw this anchor out, and it's going to grab the bottom, it's going to hold you. It's going to keep the winds from blowing you around. It's going to keep you still. And so I want to give you some stabilizers. I want to give you three anchors today that will stabilize your, your relationships while you're in the midst of a storm. Are you ready? Here we go. Number one is this. Let's write it down. The anchor of God's presence... Would you write that down? The anchor that holds relationships together is the anchor of God's presence. Acts 27 and 3, look what it says. Last night an angel of the Lord, or the angel, an angel of the God whose I am. Why don't you circle that? The angel of the God whose I am. And whom I serve, look at this, stood beside me. Why don't you circle stood beside me? you got to remember, as you're circling that, why? Because you got to remember that when you're in the storm, that God is standing right beside you. Amen? Look what the Bible says, Hebrews 13 and 5. Let's read this together. It's a short verse. Let's read it together. You ready? Come on. God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Who said that? Okay, not Jeff, but God. Because it gets sometimes, you know what, it gets so bad, I'm like, listen, man, I can't help you no more. <laughs> i got to go to bed. <laughs> you ever been that way? God's not that way. Listen, just because your father forsook you, God will not forsake you. Just because your mother forsook you doesn't mean that God will forsake you. Just because your husband your wife forsook you doesn't mean that God will. Just because your best friend walked out on you doesn't mean that God will. And sometimes we take, we take our human relationships and we put them on God. But God said, I'll never leave you. Never never leave you never forsake you so on the outline let me tell you that on your outline there's this statement that I have there it says this let's read it together it's coming on the screen as well let's make this say this you ready praise makes me aware that God is there see sometimes when we pray we pray ourselves into depression you know why? Because prayer is always telling God about our problems. But praise is telling our problems about our God. Did you hear that? See, so you, so you should pray. You should pray. But the Bible says you pray and you leave it there. But he doesn't say, you know, you pray and you leave it there. But you put praise on every day. Every day. Look what the psalmist says. The psalmist in 34, he says this. And 1, he says, I will praise the Lord at when? All times. all times. Why? Because you need to know all the time that God is bigger than what you're facing. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let us read what's underlined together. You ready? Come on. Let all who are helpless take heart. How do you take heart? You praise God. Why? Here's what you do. Whenever you, see, when you, praise, when you pray again, many times when you pray, it's reminding you of how bad things are, so it puts you in a little bit of a depression. So the Bible says that when you praise what it is is, you, you're telling, you're reminding yourself, you're reminding God of how big He is. And when you tell God you're good, God, no matter what's going on. God, you're able to do anything. God, you're greater than any circumstance in my life. God, you're you're stronger than, than Fred is, oh God. You're bigger than Sylvie is, oh God. You're greater than Lynn is, oh God. You're greater than George is, oh God. You can handle this boss I got, God. You're bigger than him. Lord, I just look to you. I don't look to them. Lord, I look to you and right now God I'm believing that you've got this and I know you're going to take care of this God I'm walking with you I'm not walking with anybody else oh so God I'm hand in hand with you you got this oh God and when you begin to do that when you begin to lift God up guess what happens you get lifted up too amen you get lifted up too it's amazing. You cannot lift God up without you being lifted up. And so when you lift him up, he lifts you up. When you lift him up, he lifts you up. So if you're in depression today, I want to tell you, man, walk out of here with a praise on your lift, and you will lift yourself up in Almighty God. Amen. Amen, Pastor. You keep preaching. I will. I will. That's okay. That's okay. I can amen myself. That's right, huh? I can do it myself. I'd like us to practice this praise together. I'd like us to do praise practice to get together. So what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to repeat, repeat this after me in just a moment. I'm going to tell you the phrase, and I want you to say it. The phrase is going to be this. We're going to say this together. Praise God. We're going to say, God, you are greater than my problem. You ready? Come on, let's say it right now. You ready? God you are greater than my problem. Now would you say it like you believe it, you ready? God, you are greater than my problem. Say it like you want your mother-in-law to hear it, you ready? God, you are greater than my problem. Boy, some of you got really loud then, hallelujah. Hit a nerve. That's how you praise God in the midst of it. God, you're greater than my problem. And you begin to let praise flow it will change your life and let me just say this if you're not a christ follower today then everything i'm talking about you don't have you don't have the anchor you have nothing holding you your anchor is up and so you're just drifting i'm asking you today to to have an anchor put an anchor down and that is let the anchor of jesus christ into your life and let him be the anchor that holds you in all of this and there's a prayer inside of your program it's a prayer to become a christ follower it's there for you to help you drop an anchor today that it can hold you And if you pray that prayer today we just ask you to check it on the back of your connection card so that we can pray with you okay number two you ready the second anchor is this the anchor of god's people those are anchors that hold relationships the anchor of god's people Acts 27 and 22, it says this, Last night an angel of the Lord, whose I am, whom I serve, stood beside me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you, let's read what's underlined, you ready? The lives of all who sail with you. Oh, my goodness. You know what he's saying? The Bible was saying this, that that there is, a, the place to be when you're in the middle of a storm is with God's people. The place that you, you want to be when you're in the middle of a storm is with God's people. That's the place you want to be. It's the place you want to be. That's why the church is so important. Because you're going to go through storms in your life. And you need God's people walking alongside you. That's why connect groups here are so important because you're going to go through a storm in your life and you need God's people walking beside you, what are they going to do? I'll tell you what they're going to do. They're going to encourage you. They're going to be there to pray with you. They're going to be there to lift you up. And they're going to be there for you a shoulder to cry on. They're going to be there to walk with you. There's some days that you're going to feel like you can hardly go and you're going to walk into the church and you're going to see someone smile and it's just going to be what you need to see that day. Someone's going to shake your hand and it's just going to be what you needed that day. I want to tell you, you need God's family. And this is the thing that we understand. As a church, as a pastor, listen, I can't help you if you won't sail with me. If you're gonna abandon the ship, you know, if you're gonna jump ship, then there's no way that we can help you. And that's what happens many times with people is that when they begin to go through a storm, a, a bad storm, the first thing they do is they start cutting off all godly people. That's a trick of the devil. He knows that if he can get you to jump ship, then you're going to drown out there. But if you can just stay with the ship, even though you don't feel like it, even though you feel like everybody's judging you, and you feel like all those thoughts come to your mind, you say, oh, no, devil, you're not getting me. I'm going to walk to God. I'm going to walk in God's house. I'm going to praise God's name. I'm going to show up to Connect Group no matter what's going on. All hell can come against me, but I am not jumping ship. Amen? And that's a life that makes it. And it began, it's amazing how God begins to use things to speak into you. People of God is speaking to you that give you life and help you in your relationships. And so my question to you is this. Why don't you just make up your mind that you're going to sail with us? Why don't you just make it? Go ahead and make it. Nothing is making me jump ship. I'm sailing with SCC. Next week we're having baptism. If you've not been baptized, that's a good way to say, hey, I want to be a part... Of God's family I want to show everybody I'm a part of God's family and I want this church to know it okay number three is this would you write this down the third anchor that holds relationships is this the anchor of God's promises the anchor of God's promises acts 27 and 25 he says this so keep up your courage men Look at this last part. For I have faith in God that it will happen just as He told me. It will happen just as He told me. When you're in a storm, you have to hold on to God's promises because you can't see things happening. As I, as I prepared this this week and as I prayed for you, dear God, how I prayed for you. As I prayed for you this week, I, I thought about Moses. Moses who went into who was watching God's people being slave to the Egyptian. And he decided that, you know, God had called him to help free those people and, and how that Moses tried it when he was about 40 years old and he'd he become a failure and he ran into the desert and lived out in the desert for another 40 years. But when Moses was 80 years old, God said it's time, Moses. And Moses went back in and led God's people out of slavery. I thought about the guy Abraham in the Bible who, who God had promised that, you know, I'm going, to take your, I'm going to take your seed, I'm going to take your children, and I'm going to make a great nation out of it. And for 99 years, the man could not bear a child, he and his wife. When his body had given up, when he had given up, and said it's never going to happen. 99 years later, God made life come. You see, you had to hold on to the promise for ninety nine years. I thought about Mary, the mother of Jesus. You know, Mary, how the angel come to Mary and said, Hail, Mary, you're highly favored, you know, and said, you know, uh, that matter of fact, that hail was like, Hail Mary, okay. Never mind. All right. Some of you got to explain that to your children, all right? You say, what perhaps you say hail and Mary. I don't Anyways. But as the angel comes and said, Mary, you know, God's found favor with you and that you're going to have a child. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, you know, and you're going to have a baby. You're never going to have been with a man, but God's going to do this. And Mary, you know what, that all happened. And Mary had the baby and everything that happened was that was promised happened just in a short period of time. But every day, you know, that, that supernatural act happened. But every day she held that baby. I'm sure she was waiting. Okay, am I going to see something supernatural today? When he messes up his diaper, is he going to clean it himself? I don't know. You know that now, that would be supernatural, right, moms? <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> when it, you know, when... When, when, he was, when, he was a super, when he was a little boy, you know, and he goes out in the yard, he starts playing with, with his friends and stuff, and, and all of a sudden there's, there's a dispute breaks out. Is he going to be the one who steps in and calms the storm? No, he's right in the middle of it. When is it going to happen? When Joseph, apparently Joseph dies, we don't hear any more of Joseph. He dies when Jesus is either a teenager or in his early 20s, he dies. And when Joseph is on his deathbed dying, or if he fell off a house because he was a carpenter, whatever happened, I'm sure that Mary's like, okay, Jesus, let's see, do something supernatural, and nothing happened. Finally, when Jesus was 30 years old, he was attending a wedding. And at that moment, at 30 years of age, Something supernatural happened. He turned the water to wine. How long are you willing to wait? I've been praying about a week and nothing's happened. So you know what? Forget it. When I became the pastor of this church almost 22 years ago, it was me. I was 26. And there's about two other couples that was in their twenties. And there's about two more couples in their forties, and everybody else is over sixty. We had about seventy-five people. And God gave me this vision. Jeff, you're gonna you're gonna help people that's gonna help people. And you're gonna reach over, there's gonna be over ten thousand people that this church will touch. Now let me tell you something. When God gives you that dream and your church is about 75 people. And there's and everybody in there, you know, I mean you're just doing the math. You know, everybody else around there, about 80% of your people is about, I mean, if they live to be 80, I mean, you know, 85, they got about maybe 15 years left. And I'm saying, God, you got the wrong address. You got the wrong, you got the wrong. This, there's no way this can happen, God. I, I don't understand. But God says, yes, Jeff, I want to do it. He said, I'm calling you to help people know better so they can be better and do better. And you're going to help them. And when you help them, they're going to help other people. And so that's what our church has become. We believe in, I believe in trying to help you that you can help others. You know that when you help people, you heal people. God gave me a dream. Well, I want you to know that now there's over 1,500 people that call this church their home. That's a long way from 10,000, but that's, that's the first 22 years. I got about 25 more years if God gives me health, right? And if God can do that in 22 years, then in the next 25, if you won't jump, if you will stay on the ship with me, you watch me get old and gray. Well, I'm already gray. Dang, I'm already wrinkled, too. I don't know what else is going to happen to me. I guess I'll be walking in here like, hey. But if you'll stay on the ship with me and I'll help you and you help other people, guess what? We're going we're to see the miracle of God. We're going to see your children and we're going to see your grandchildren and we're going to see your friends and we're going to see your parents come to know Jesus Christ. They're going to be helped. They're not going to be the same way anymore. When you look at them and you don't see any hope, I'm telling you, if you'll just stay on the ship with me, God's going to let us bring hope to them. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 29, 11, look what God says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. You know what? Paul made it. All of them made it. They didn't lose a life because they trusted in God's plan. So I have a next step here that I'd like for us to read together. It's on the back of your connection card. It's also in your program. And I hope you'll check it on your connection card. Look what it says. It says this. Let's read it together. Come on, you ready? I will do my best to anchor in God's presence with God's people as I wait on God's promise. Would you read that out loud with me one more time? You ready? Come on. I will do my best to anchor in God's presence with God's people as I wait on God's promise. How many of you got a, how many of you got something you're waiting on God for? How many of you got something you're waiting on God? You've been praying, you're waiting. Okay, that's about 50% of us. Today, I want to challenge you as we begin to sing this song. It is well with my soul. When we begin to sing this song, I want you to just begin to just say, God, in your heart, God, I've been waiting. I'm believing you to bring this to pass. And watch what God will do as you lift him up. Would you stand with us right now? Come on, let's sing it together. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net, And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.